can a financial institution really be converted from analog to digital? Is the term digital transformation just a catchy bit of marketing to describe banks using technology as a tool? And if digital transformation is real, why is it so difficult to define and to achieve? On today's podcast, we'll take on those questions and more. Joining us as the answer man is Chris Skinner, blogger, pundit, and author immersed in the digital world. He'll discuss his new book about banks blazing a trail to digital transformation, and he'll share some related lessons to be learned from our COVID-19 experience. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Welcome to the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. Today's special guest is Chris Skinner, technologist, much-read blogger, pundit, and an author several times over. Chris has a new book titled Doing Digital, about digital transformation underway at a number of major banks. He's joining us from Warsaw to talk about what's in the book, but also what's in the news that's affecting financial institutions now. Chris, many thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me, Terry. Yeah. So first, a state of the world question. Um, Guy like you, who's always off to somewhere, how does it feel to be pinned down in one place for a while? Well, it's a surreal moment in time for all of us, I think. And I'm used to traveling nonstop around the world. And um, to be locked into my house here in Poland for the last month, in some ways, it's a pleasure because I'm with my family and my children. In other ways, it's a pain because I need that stimulation of nonstop dialogue and networking. It's a balance. And to be honest, at the end of the day, I'm appreciating the fact that I have been given this time to be with my family and um, to smell the roses. I think that's really kind of the way we're uh, we're all thinking about it. Most of us are thinking about it anyway. So, okay, on to the new book, Doing Digital, just released for sale a few days ago. Congratulations on that. And I'd imagine some relief on your part to finally have it done and out in the marketplace. Absolutely. And, um, you know, right now the digital version is available online. The physical version is taking a bit longer to get through because of the fact that no one's in the ports or the docks to do the distribution. But that will change, obviously. Um, and, you know, it's my sequel to several books before, like Digital Bank and Digital Human. But this one's a bit of a spin around in that, um, long story short, I've spent a long time working with banks and many people consistently over the last 30 years that I've been working with banks have been saying that they will be destroyed by technology, disrupted, that they're dumb and stupid and that they don't get customer focus. And yet, um, you know, it's not true. And so this book is really about proving the people who are the naysayers about banks being terrible um, to show that banks actually are pretty good. What did you learn from writing, doing digital that maybe you didn't already previously learn from doing digital bank or digital human? Well, I specifically on this book decided that I would do in-depth research rather than just making it an opinion piece. So I went and visited five big banks. I made a list, you know, two, just over two years ago of the banks that I felt I respected were doing digital transformation pretty well from an external observation. And those were JP Morgan Chase, um, BBVA, ING, DBS in Singapore and China Merchants Bank. 
I could have easily added some others there, like Capital One and USAA. But these were the five that opened their doors to me and invited me in. And I ended up interviewing many of the senior managers in these companies in depth about how they were doing digital transformation. And I guess um, some of the things were pretty obvious to me because I've spent a long time in my career doing technology transformation projects. So things like um, you have to create motivation for change by um, making an issue real for everyone in the business uh, through a burning platform and then giving a compelling vision of where the business has to go so that people that not only felt they had to change, but they knew where to go. You know, th th those things are fairly obvious, but some things are not so obvious. So, um, you know, a good example for me was that um, met several of the banks I interviewed said that the executive team were given the breathing space to focus on change and business as unusual, enabling and implementing digital transformation by giving the chairman and chief executive a clear message that shareholder focus was no longer the imperative, the change to the business was the imperative. Uh, and so, so some things like that, they're more nuanced and discreet. But um, when I heard the chief executive of one of the banks telling me the story about the board saying the mandate is for change and not for business as usual, that kind of really struck home to me as a, a major difference in the way in which I'd heard people talking. The subtitle of doing digital is Lessons from Leaders. So what are leaders in this context? Are you talking about individuals as leaders? You're talking about leading institutions? And how do these leaders establish themselves? I was really talking about leading institutions. Um, and as I say, I made this list um, before I started the book of which banks were doing digital transformation well from an external perspective. But having said that, each of these banks are, are actually characterized by individuals that are charismatic visionaries like Jamie Dimon. And some of you may say, well, Jamie Dimon, yeah, you know, he's one of the best bankers in the world, but he doesn't get technology and digital, does he? Well, the fact is he does. Um, when Bank One and JP Morgan Chase came together and merged in the 2000s, the very first decision that the bank made, and it was Jamie Dimon who made that decision, was to insource all outsourcing contracts because, uh, and it was clearly stated at the time, technology is the key differentiation of this bank. And when you look at um, Jamie Dimon's annual shareholder letters going back for uh, over the past five or six years in particular, the rallying call is all around digital transformation and the fear of Silicon Valley and how banks have to confront that fear by meeting it and beating it. But, and so JP Morgan Chase has been hiring engineers like crazy. One in five of their people are engineers involved in technology. That's 50,000 people out of 250,000 staff. They're investing $11 billion a year in technology transformation. More and more and more of that is going into innovation and, and change and transformation. It's not keeping the lights on. Um, and that's one of, one of the reasons why I selected them as a digital leader. So it's both the institution and often the individual who leads that institution. And to be honest, you, you need both because when I look at the banks that are not doing digital transformation effectively, it's typically because their leadership team and specifically their chief executive doesn't actually understand that digital is a cultural transformation of the institution. And it's not a project. So I expect um, doing digital was already done and packed off to the publisher before COVID-19 emerged and then grew into a uh, pandemic. But are 
key lessons from the book applicable or otherwise relevant to today's circumstances? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there's three or four things that are coming out right now in terms of this surreal pause on planet Earth. Um, one is that most businesses, not just banks, but airlines, retailers, didn't have a disaster recovery plan for a physical implosion. So the fact that all offices and branches and call centers are shut down means that most banks are really struggling very hard to um, deal with any business through people working remotely at home. And then on top of that, you've got this um, massive tsunami of demand for loans and for government bailout to the people, which can't be served by the banks for the reason that the banks are shut down, their physical operations. So for me, what's going to happen post-pandemic is a massive and dramatic rush by traditional institutions that were based around physical structures to digitalize those structures. And as a result, things like the lessons from the leaders in this book, of which there are more than 30, um, and it's, it's not an ABC you know, about how to do this, but it's definitely a, this is the things you need to have in the mix that, that will help you to deal with this. It's gonna be much more critical post-pandemic than it was pre-pandemic. So the leaders that you have, I mean, obviously, they they seem to have a head start on this. But do you see any indications that these digital transformation leaders are faring any better than their peers in dealing with the operational disruption of the coronavirus? Are they seeing the fruit of their work already? Well, obviously, it's different by geography. So BBVA is global, but based in Madrid and Spain. And Spain's been very hard hit. And I don't know exactly how they're faring. ING in the Netherlands actually has been pretty consistently good. In fact, all of the Netherlands banks have been pretty consistently good. Uh, and one of the big differentiations there is that unlike a Spanish bank that might do outsourcing to offshore operations that are now shut down, not a lot of people speak Dutch. So the Dutch actually have most of their operations onshore rather than offshore. And that's one of the big differences. You know, one of the big banks that I thought would fare very well in this crisis was Barclays. Uh, the big UK bank, but actually they've been a pretty much disaster because nearly all of their customer call center handling was in India and India shut down with four hours notice. So when you think about the globalized structure of operations, you really have to then look very hard at uh, how they fare in a physical implosion crisis. You know, we always talk about disaster recovery of technology. What about the disaster recovery of physical operations? We didn't plan for that at all. You know, to a large extent, I don't think we're seeing the banks have planned for that particularly well. Of the leaders that I've identified, you know, ING, DBS have probably handled it the best because um, they not only were highly digital in operation already, but equally their countries have not been as impacted in this way as others. So they're probably the two that stand out the most as dealing with this well. Let me change it up a little bit here, um, come back to the book. I'm going to read a little bit from Doing Digital where you say, as for businesses that aren't born digital, traditional mindsets and ways of working run counter to those needed for today's world. So what do you see as those traditional mindsets and what's needed for today's world? I think we've seen some very good examples in companies that are in technology that maybe became too institutionalized in their mindset and almost failed. IBM would be a good example. Microsoft is also a good example. And the reason I pick on those two is 
Lou Gerstner's book about how do you make the elephant dance was out in the 1990s about the turnaround of IBM from a mainframe manufacturer to a services company. And Satya Nadella, um, the CEO of Microsoft, has done a fantastic job of turning around Microsoft after Steve Ballmer stepped down. Um, because Microsoft, again, became too institutionalized in its mindset. And we can learn a lot from them. Um, I mean, there's lessons from leaders that come from outside banking as well as from inside banking. But it's quite funny that the book, Doing Digital, I think the lessons, um, although I got them from five big banks, could apply to any company, whether it's a retailer, manufacturer or airline. And the institutionalized mindset is really about the fact that we have a business that's as usual, that's delivering consistent results. And then something happens to that business as usual that means we have to do business as unusual. And right now, this is the turnaround from traditional financial organizations that were built for the physical distribution of paper through branches and humans to being digital organizations dealing with the digital distribution of data through software and servers. And the business model is completely different. The structure is completely different. And specifically, it's not an evolution of the business. It's a revolution of the business model. It's a massive change of how the business is structured and organized. And the traditional mindset is that you can evolve the business. You can do digital as a project. You can bring in a chief digital officer. You can give it a budget. You can make it something that's a function. And all of that thinking is actually inherently wrong. And one of the themes that I regularly come back to, and again, it's the theme in the book, is um, how uh, species survive uh, based on Charles Darwin's Origin of Species book from the 1800s. And Charles Darwin said it's nothing to do with survival of the fittest, the fastest, the most intelligent or the strongest. It's the survival of those who are the most adaptable to change. And that theme comes through in the book over and over again. But then it's more than just the most adaptable to change, but it's the adaptable to change in the right way. If you're changing in the wrong way, you will not survive. One of the um, chief financial officers of one of the banks that I interviewed made this explicitly clear to me. She said that the bank previously had a chief executive and chairman who knew the bank had to do digital, but they didn't know what to do or how to do it. And then a new chief executive and chairman came in who did know what to do and how to do it. And that's the reason why they're succeeding. It's really hard. Um, but if you have a leadership team that has a traditional mindset based around the traditional business model, you're never going to make the change to be digital. You know, even still, there's a fair bit of skepticism that traditional banks are actually capable of a true digital transformation as opposed to just embracing digital tools and then putting them to work doing what they've always done, uh, maybe a little bit faster, maybe a little more efficiently. You've just written a book on banks in the process of digital transformation, so obviously you believe it's possible, but what's the key ingredient or the key ingredients? Um, is it culture? Is it, is it something else? Well, I explicitly wrote this book because I was getting fed up with the people who were cynical about banks being able to make the change and even more annoyed with the people who keep saying that banks are going to be disrupted and destroyed. Um, some banks will be disrupted and destroyed by digital transformation because they can't do it. But they won't be destroyed by fintech and new entrants. They'll be destroyed by not making change quickly enough and becoming weak in their capital and capability and therefore susceptible to acquisition by other big banks. You know, I don't think the big banks are going to disappear. They're going to get bigger. 
I think the mid-range banks are going to struggle because um, if they don't have the right leadership team, they won't make the change. And so this is really about, um, you know, yes, there's lots of disruption out there that maybe people fear, but banks can make this change. And the way they'll make the change is by having the right executive team and specifically the right chief executive. Um, and the two things that came out consistently in the five banks I picked as case studies is that they had a chief executive who understood technology's role in the business in their heart as well as in their mind and they believed that technology driven and technology first banking was critical to the future of the organization but secondly that they had experience of that and so when you look at for example BBVA they started on their digital transformation 20 years ago with a chief executive who had grown up as a programmer when you look at ING ING had 15 years of experience of delivering banking without branches in other countries through ING Direct. When you look at DBS, um, when Piyush Gupta, their CEO, took over the role in 2009, his role previously had been running all of the operations of Citibank in India, um, and specifically their IT operations in India. Um, I've already mentioned Jamie Dimon seeing technology as a critical piece of the business and its differentiation for the future. And China Merchants Bank was launched in 1987 as a technology first bank. So when you have people who understand technology in the leadership team and its critical role in the future of the business, then I think those will survive. I think those who are just being run by bankers are the ones that will fail. It's really interesting with BBVA, and just to give a really specific example, is that half of their executive leadership team are people immersed in technology and telecommunications and digital by background. They have a chief engineering officer on the executive leadership team. They have a head of customer experience on the executive leadership team. Their chairman and chief executive both have background in telecoms and technology. That's a critical differentiator. If you only have people who understand compliance, regulation, audit, accounting, and money, on the leadership team of the bank, then that's not a fit bank to be a digital bank because it doesn't have any digital people. So how will a bank know if it's made a successful digital transformation? I mean, is there an actual destination to be reached or is this process more like, say, um, like an ongoing state of updating and adapting and evolving that just goes on forever? It's the latter. I mean, one of the things that came out of this for me is um, that Overall, although there's over 30 different specific things that were identifiable within these five banks that were common to them and made the change succeed or ingredients for success, they fall into four major buckets, which is working out what to do, how to do it, doing it, and then doing it better forever. And that sounds simple, but working out what to do and how to do it is actually very difficult because if you're making the wrong change, as I said earlier, you won't survive. It's working out how to adapt to change in the right way. So working out what to do and how to do it is quite a long process. I mean, a lot of these banks spent a year to two years working out what to do by visiting the digital leaders that they respect, by going to Spotify, Netflix, Facebook, Amazon, Alibaba, um, Pingan, you know, digital leaders in different geographies and economies that are doing things really well. How do, how do they do it? It's not rocket science. How did Netflix pivot from being a delivery business of DVDs to a streaming business that's now the biggest in the world for entertainment? 
they pivoted to cloud, they used technologies, they organized in a different way with agile teams, with a flat organization, with fast decision making. Okay, so if those are all the attributes of the digital leaders you respect, how can you then internalize that to your own bank? So that's the second piece. How can we do this? Which takes another year to two years to work out how are you going to change the bank to reflect the digital structures that are in the digital leaders that you admire. And then the implementation of that, doing it, takes another three or four or five years. I mean, it's quite a long process to change an organization of 50,000, 200,000 people and make it work in a completely different way. And then as you do that, you're going to get things wrong. It's not always going to go right. So then you have to start doing it better. And doing it better is forever. You know, that doesn't stop. But at least once you've got through the doing it phase, doing it better forever is just tweaking and moving and fine-tuning. It's not actually that massive restructuring. Um, so those four phases are um, you know, quite a while. Working out what to do, how to do it, doing it typically takes five to ten years. And then doing it better is forever. Wow, that's a uh, that's a great description of sort of the complexities involved, and of course the the high stakes involved as well in this for the banks uh, for their future. Um, you know the rewards out there for those that are nimble enough to be able to transform. So, Chris Skinner, thanks a lot for joining us on the Banking Strategies podcast today. Thanks, Terry, and take care. And my best wishes to every BAI member. I've known BAI for most of my career and really like you guys and what you do. So continue your good work. Great. We appreciate that. Thank you. Three takeaways from today's podcast guest, Chris Skinner. First, there's no shortage of skeptics and naysayers who think traditional banks are incapable of a true digital transformation. Skinner continues to push back against that notion with his new book, Doing Digital, about a handful of big global banks in the midst of such transformation. This is not to say he believes every bank will successfully transition. Many of those that lag will become takeout targets of those that succeed. And he says, digital transformation is not a race with a fixed distance. Getting it done initially could take banks five to 10 years and after that, the mission shifts to doing it even better. And that, he says, is a forever job. The subtitle of Doing Digital is Lessons from Leaders. And those leaders are both institutions and individuals. Success at digital transformation requires full-on commitment from those at the top of the bank, especially the CEO to create a vision and inspire buy-in down through the org chart. Banks are looking for examples to follow from outside the industry, but Skinner says they also need outside people. As he puts it, if the leadership team is people who only know the money side and the risk side of banking, they're not positioned to become a digital bank because they don't have digital people. And finally, the book's message has applicability to where we find ourselves today. For banks and pretty much every other company, business continuity plans didn't typically take into account anything remotely like COVID-19. The sudden global economic shutdown, tens of thousands of people abruptly shifting to work from home, the desperate demand by businesses for loans to stay afloat, and government aid being passed through financial institutions on a massive scale. While this may have been outside the disaster scenarios planned for in the past, Skinner says it will certainly be part of future preparations. Post-pandemic, he says, expect heightened focus on banks' future digital capabilities 
and their future digital identity. Thanks again for joining us on the BAI Banking Strategies podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI. And until next time, we hope you stay safe and well.